We're back. Yo. And we're back. And we're back. What's poppin'? It's your man, Dean Edwards. Welcome back to another episode of the Fuck Muckin' Protocol. Hit me with the beat, son. No. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, um, as as promised last week, we had so much fun and we we were we were going so long uh, with my man uh, Steve Scott that we had to bring him back. Uh, for those that didn't listen, Steve Steven Scott. Uh, guys, so nice for using twice. <laughs> hey, comedian slash actor. Um, you know, most recently from America's Got Talent. How far did you get? You uh, I did two rounds. You made it two rounds. Got a standing ovation from not only all the judges, but specifically Sound Simon Cowell, which is really the one that counts. Yeah, well, no, you know, when you're standing there and is, you know, look, we've been fortunate in our careers to have a few standing ovations, but when you're looking at 2,000 people yeah. at the Pasadena Civic Auditorium, all four judges, and they all just stand up for you, and Simon Cowell is there, you're like, yeah. wow, that's, like, that's powerful. Because <laughs> there are judges, and then there's yes. the ju- then there's Simon Cowell. Yeah. It's like, on the scale of judges, you have God, yeah, right, right. <laughs> Simon Cowell, <laughs> Uh, the Apollo Theater audience. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, and you know, and also when you can make the Brits laugh, that's always a good. Thing. Right, right, and Brits. And there were two are... on the panel. Right, 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 right. That's true. And a Canadian and a crowd. So it was really. Right, it's right. America's Got Talent with no American judges. Which isn't, is... that isn't that something? <laughs> Dude, I never thought about that. The closest that we had to an American was was uh, Howard Stern. Nick Cannon's uh, socks. No, in Howard Stern. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah and then I've been rocking out uh, with with Steve, and we've been on this. Uh, cruise ship and we spoke last week you know we spoke about um everything from your humble beginnings your first times on stage and to you becoming a friar but i wanted to get a little little deeper um because well you know even before we get deeper into your career and you're you're getting all oprah on me (laughs) yeah but also you what would you say because Many many artists have a a superpower, right? Mm-hmm. Like everybody has their thing. You know, some people are monologists. Like Chris Rock is a monologist. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he's a good performer, yeah. actually a great performer. But he's an even better joke writer yeah. um, and, and delivers social commentary and and has poignant material. Um, then you'll have like a like a JB Smooth. Right. JB Smooth is a physical. Yeah. He's comic and brilliant he's a character driven and he's physically all over the stage and then JB also will milk an idea that's what I love about watching him like he'll have he'll have one idea that in the wrong hands or in another in a lesser comics hands it would just be a bit JB will turn a one minute bit of some of of knocking over a chair into a 10 minute uh, you know, a tapestry right, right, dance, right. so to say. Well, you know, my extremes in that regard are, uh, I always think, Stephen Wright, whose material mm. is all, you know, on the yeah, page. Yeah. You know, the ca- the character's just, you know, I bought a decaffeinated coffee table. Right. You can't tell the difference, you know. Right. And then there's, like, Lewis Black. Right. Who, like, if you and I did his material verbatim, wouldn't get a laugh. It wouldn't work. But when the blood vessel... But when he starts splitting the blood of some No, it's wrong. You know, and then it's hilarious. Right, right, right. And what just happened was we just went into what... We just segued perfectly into your answer. Yeah. Well, I you know, for me, I do... 
I bring, you know, I do a lot of voice stuff in my act. Uh, characters, um, some celebrity voices, also uh, sound effects. Yeah. You know, things that basically used to get me, um, I get paid now to do the same stuff that got me punished when I was a kid. Right, right. You can't beat that. Oh, so awesome. uh, stop making those noises. Stop it, you know, and now, you know, they, they pay me for it. Um, yeah, so that's that kind of sets me apart. I remember it was... Um, uh, Tom Driesen some years ago mm-hmm. said, "Look, whatever you do that's unique that makes you different from the pack, do the hell out of that." Right. And so I used to kind of maybe shy away from, it, but mm-hmm. now I embrace it a lot more. As we both did, we've spoken about yeah. that while we worked together. That early in our career, coming up in in New York City, yeah. um, we'll just you know I think we both faced the same uh, not only criticisms. Uh, but also you were, it made you self-conscious because you're like, well, I don't, I want respect of my peers. I want, I want Lucian and and the people that book these clubs to book me and say, I'm not just someone that has a bunch of, we have this guy over here and he does a lot of voices. Right, right, right. Because that's that's what they will categorize you, yes. and they'll say, well, "Well, you know, we have we have uh, our black voice guy. Yeah, we have we have two two black guys um, that already do voices, and I have <coughs> excuse me, I have three other guys that do impressions, and they're white. So right. why do I need yes, you? Yes, exactly." How did you overcome that? Uh, how did you face it, and then how did you, how did you overcome Well, when that? you you and I both had very similar stories about our yeah. first times at the comic strip. You yeah. know, we go up, we kill, yeah. and now we're thinking, oh, this is great. And then we get pulled aside by Lucian's lackey, who for you was Starla, for me was a guy named Danny. He used to be called Danny DeVito. I think now he's called Danny Romani, writes for... Uh, for uh, uh, Bill Maher, okay. and um, and he he take you over to the wall. See, I got this guy here. I got that guy. That, you know, and you're like, what? What? What does that have to do with me? Right. I mean, it just really kills your buzz. Right. What was funny is later that same week, I'm on I'm on stage at Caroline's mm-hmm. with that guy from the comic strip. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm good enough for this place. Right. But when I sat down with Lucian, you know, he was kind of like, uh, you know, we, we want to see who Steven is, you know, and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I kind of it, it it threw me for a loop for a little while mm-hmm. until a friend of mine from college really just brought it all together for me. She mm. said, that is who you are. Right. Ever since I've known you, you've always been making me laugh. You've always done voices. You've always, done, you know, and, and so I went, you know what, you're right. Right. So, um, so I, I kind of just got into, I think the thing we were talking about the other day about, you know, there are people who do voices where um, it gets into that hacky kind of, hey, can you imagine Al Pacino working in a grocery store? Right. That's, that's speak hack. on that. Explain, but, explain to them. Right. Yeah, that's that's considered, you know... There's the, well, explain to them the, the, diff, the difference between that and also the oh, difference right. between a stand-up versus an impressionist. Okay, so here's the difference. So uh, when we started, you know, we used the word impressionist because we thought it was a cool thing to worry, but mm-hmm. it's actually a taboo word if you're a stand-up comedian, unfortunately. Right. Uh, and the real simple reason is is because when you when people th- in the industry think of impressionists, mm-hmm. they think of Rich Little, right. Frank Gorshin, Fred Travelina, right. uh, Danny Gans. These guys were not comedians. They, right. they could do voices, and they had people write for them, right. but it was all about, you know, their whole show was predicated on, here's my impression of so-and-so. Right. Whereas, you take a look at Eddie Murphy, mm-hmm. uh, Robin Williams, Billy Crystal, mm-hmm. Jim Carrey. These guys all were comedians who did impressions in their right. act. But you never heard them say, oh, that impressionist Eddie Murphy or that right. impressionist right. Robin Williams. They were comedians. So they, they wrote material and they sprinkled the voices in. And that's what you and I do. Mm-hmm. You know, we have material. We write. We, you know, and it's all predicated on the writing. And then if mm-hmm. we want to incorporate a skill set we have to bring a third dimension to what we're talking about right. by doing a voice, or in my case, a sound effect, right. it, it makes it makes you different and, and brings a th- uh, you know an extra dimension to the to what you're telling them right. so that's the trick and if i do a voice uh, the way to get around it instead of saying um 
you know, uh, can you imagine Al Pacino working in a grocery store, which is kind of what they we call which hack. is very hacky. Yeah, what you do, and, is, the, and the reason that's hacky, yo, is because he wouldn't right work in a grocery <laughs> right. store. That's the, that, but, but also that is the style. That was what those old impressionists like Richard right. did. It was right. always like imagining people in different situations. But the, the the way to get around it and the way to make it applicable and relevant and and acceptable in our world today as comedians is by making it about us. Right. So it's either like if you had an opportunity to meet Tracy Morgan and you're right. telling a story about you and Tracy Morgan, that right. material's about Dean Edwards. Right. And you're, you see what I mean? And Or if, or if you tell a story... I don't like Dean Edwards. He does an impression of me. I don't, think, I don't even think he sounds like me. You look like him at I, 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 I don't look nothing like him. I don't appreciate him. Why are you doing me? <laughs> You don't gotta do me. Do do Eddie Murphy. <laughs> do Denzel Washington. That is awesome, dude. Um, so yeah, that's my, that's or or if you tell a story about how you're a guy who can do voices and your girlfriend when you're in bed together is always making you do the voice. Right. I used to do a bit years ago about right. that, and she's like, "Oh, do Tom Cruise or you know do Jim Carrey." I'm like, "What?" You know, and then you know, and so it's so a bad do because your Tom your Tom Cruise is funny. Oh, with the face, yeah. So that's a little hard to do on a podcast. It's more <laughs> face. Yeah. Well, he's he's very kind of very serious. Pink look on it. <laughs> 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 so you know, and um, yeah, some some impressions are more vocal, some are more visual. Um, but yeah, so so if you're making it about you somehow, uh, or you're putting your opinion or point of view on something, you know, if I'm doing Donald Trump, you know, obviously Donald Trump's on the news every day as the president, but I'm putting my opinion on something. You know, I'm telling a story. It's and you were doing Steven. Trump before. Like a lot, I, yeah, there were a lot of people that are on the Trump bandwagon because. Right. He's the president, obviously, right. but there were you were doing him back before Daryl Hammond, like, like right, back, right, in, back in 2004. In, yeah, when when the, the apprentice, apprentice yeah. when the apprentice was on. I was supposed to roast him at the Friars Club. They roasted really? him in 2004, and I was all set. I had this great material ready to go. And uh, uh, Regis Philbin was the roast master, and Regis was doing a uh, cabaret show. He traveled. You know, Regis was doing a yeah. cabaret show. That's right. <laughs> so he um, and so he had to be somewhere. At a certain time. So Trump gave him his helicopter to fly to, I think, Pennsylvania. Wow. So they had it and the roast at a certain time. So they took two acts off the road. It's kind of cool. Just yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Just take my helicopter to the gig. Yeah. So, um... So they cut two acts off the roast, and I was the you know I was the low man on the totem pole. I got bumped, and I was so bummed. They ended up uh, two years later. I ended up roasting Jerry Lewis instead. Okay. But uh, so I was ready to go with Trump uh, even back then. So yeah, I'd, I've been doing Trump a long time, and then now he becomes president. And you know, of course, like you said, now of course a lot of people do him. But I I've, I've definitely got twelve years experience. Well, going around. yeah, and you're Trump. I was saying uh, uh, last night and watching it. What I like about it. Is that is that is that is that it's low, but then it gets real. Right, right, you know right, I mean? right. It, 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 the levels. You gotta yeah, get the levels yeah. in there. Um, that's something you and I do really well. Um, like yeah, I noticed in your impression, you bring in the subtleties of people. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people who aren't as good at it, uh, they they do the extremes. You know, again, we mentioned you know, like a Schwarzenegger. The good everyone's doing the and that's right. not at all. Like right, a, right. or Al Pacino, you know, and it's like it's oh my god, or Christopher Walken, and it's like what the hell? That's all right, they, right. You know, they do they do hyper, they do the exaggeration, right? And it's so ridiculous. And you and I do the subtleties. We can do a look. Yeah, we can do a nuance. Talk right. real softly, almost whisper, right. and nail it. You know, and a guy like if you you were saying with Denzel the other day, but like even Pacino. You know, it was different. Like when his earlier films, it was always like, "Don't ask me about my business, Kay. Do not ask me." And then he gets older, and then it's like, uh, then you know, in the sense of always, 
are you blind? You know, it's, it's like right, a heavier right, kind of, right. what <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> I'm a child. I know, yeah, you, I know we're crazy. You fucking child. I swear to you, I don't care whose nephew you are, who you know, who's <laughs> dick you're sucking on, you're going out! <laughs> Any man in this office lives on his wits. <laughs> but um, that, that was a great scene. Glenn Gary Gordon. That was the best so many, so one. Then we're going out for coffee. I could do some coffee. <laughs> Put that coffee down. <laughs> you are a shithead, Williamson. <laughs> <laughs> if y'all ain't seen Glenn Gary Glenn Rose, go, yeah. go watch I do everybody. It. Go to lunch. Will you go to lunch? I don't like you, Shell. You're fucking up my office, Shell. Go to lunch. <laughs> yeah, those spaces. <laughs> if... if, if, if have, have, have Kevin Spacey and Denzel done? I was just going to say. They must have. Yeah. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. Sam Jackson. Yeah, they did Sam that. The negotiator one. Yeah. They go, which was actually F. Gary Gray. That was actually a oh, if, if, if If Trump was sitting here right now oh, right. In, in, a, <laughs> in a cabin doing an interview with uh, with Denzel. Or with that, like with a, Denzel? Yeah, yeah, oh, like my a, goodness. It's like, folks, Denzel's a great guy. He's a great actor. Is he great, folks? Is he the best? I, I love I, we. I, I, gonna make actors so great again he's so better than Alec Baldwin's a terrible guy he's terrible he does me there's the worst me you ever see somebody so bad in your life Denzel <laughs> is a great guy folks I watched all his movies and then you gotta like name the wrong movies yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he was great in uh, Django <laughs> he was like, no, you know, that, that, that wasn't me I thought that was you. You were the guy in the house, right? No, no, that's that. You're, <laughs> you're, you're thinking of uh, 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 of Sam Jackson, Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, I, I am, I'm Denzel Washington. You both former presidents, but right. Washington was first. <laughs> you're the guy in the movie where you play the president, and and Mount Olympus is falling. No, 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 no. That, uh, that you know, I, I see where you, I see where you go. He's a little older, a little <laughs> older. That's Morgan Freeman. <laughs> see, here's where Trump does this. He'll, he'll, he'll say what we used to consider racially insensitive as a compliment. You guys all look alike. You guys all look alike. Cause you're great looking guys. Right. You're great looking guys. Are these the best looking guys, folks? They look fantastic. That's why they all look alike. <laughs> Yo, man. That's, that's a, that's a, but, and here's the thing. When when you... We are going to make... <laughs> Y'all have to understand. It's, it's so refreshing to, like, anyone that really... Because we, cause we can hear... Yeah. Because... In, in the realm of stand-ups that do impressions, or just in people that do impressions, period, stand-ups or otherwise, how many times have you heard someone come up to you and they're like, yeah, you know, I do a pretty good... Oh, right, right, uh, right. ...walking, and, and, yeah. you know, and in your mind, you're like, eh, oh, you know. you just, yeah. Well, those are two... It's funny, the Schwarzenegger one was one I used to... They used to send me out all the time, and I used to not book it because I did it too well. Mm. It sounds weird. They wanted, like, a Hans and Franz. Right, right. That's, you know, because right. for legal Bob reasons, sometimes... Kind of, yeah. Right, right. <clears throat> and, uh... But then, when Schwarzenegger became governor, mm -hmm. it was a different story. He was a public figure. He was an elected official, so you could, you know. So then I got it's public domain. Yeah, right. I had I, I got hired to do a job where they wanted to make it look like a live conversation with the governor. Uh, <clears throat> and I was living in L.A. at the time. I had a place out there, so I'd listen. You know, so instead of the like everyone else does, I'd be like. We listen to the crisis situation we have in the state of California, mm -hmm. all these problems there, all of these things. We need to try to get the fiscal, you know, and 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 and, and you talk more like he actually right. talks in real life. And I and I book the job okay. by doing the yeah. subtleties. Yeah. And sometimes you know you can put in a little bit of a. You a can little add bit it. A, There's a difference between uh, because most most of as I've said 
on this podcast um, before, most of the time when people do impressions of someone, they they are doing an impression of the char- of a particular right. character in a particular movie, and therefore they're not. They don't sound yes. how a person really sounds in real life. If, you know, if, if, yes. if you watch... Stallone is a good example of that. Everyone yeah. does Rocky. Right, right. And that's not how he talks. And I met the man, and he's it's different. You know? Right. Uh, or a good example, too, would be... Uh, well, even the Pacino thing we were saying earlier. Like, if you ever watched Al Pacino in an interview, mm-hmm. if he doesn't have a script, right. it's like he's useless, you right, know? Right, And he's, he's, like, he's like, you know, like Larry King. <clears throat> I remember once seeing him, and I'm like, go ahead, Tacoma, Washington, for Al Pacino. You know, I'd be like... Oh, I was, uh, you know, and he'll say, like, how'd you get started? I was doing a film. I was in New York, and I, uh, uh, Marty Brest once came over to me, and he said, you know, I think, you know, when I was seven, I, you know, it's just like, what? He's <laughs> like all, <laughs> he's so he's used to right. lines that when he gets to go over the He's just all of it, and he doesn't complete a sentence. Right, and it's right, just right. A, and he's much softer spoken, you mm-hmm. know, um, you know, versus when he's in a film. And I always say when he curses, when you do Al Pacino, you have to, like, if he says the F word, if he says fuck, you have to put spell it with, like, four Fs and a PH. You right. Know? I was like, he doesn't just go, what the fuck? He goes, what the fuck? <laughs> Who the fuck told you you could work with men? I swear to you. You know, and it's like, yeah. so. Um, yeah, in, in Scarface, he has the yeah. same. He's when he yells and gets loud, like she had a great ass, you know. Yeah, it's a, right. But everything when he uh, when he's in an interview, uh, he's very very soft spoken. Yeah, uh, he talks like this, very you know, and it's totally. Different. But everything's on the back of the throat. Yeah, yeah, very, very, yeah, exactly. And that that's the other thing with uh with impressions is you you key in. Do do people ask you this all the time? Um, who who can you do? And you're like, or or how do you know if you can do oh, do right, an impression? Right, right. And you're like. You don't you don't necessarily have to yeah. rehearse it. You yeah, know you, just, you got it or you, you don't. You know your instrument. Yeah. And you immediately say, "Okay, I I I know where that is right. vocally right. on the throat and the vocal cords, so I just need to tweak it in my head." Exactly. Well, so, something that I learned a little later on. When I started, you know, voices, I have a very good ear, I can do the voices really easily. You probably have perfect but, pitch. Um, close to it, certainly yeah. relative pitch. And um and but when we do it on stage, I started learning to do the physicality in the face. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other Makes thing. So, like, there's some impressions, which obviously the people listening can't. But, like, if I was doing, like, I was one of the first people to do George Bush, uh, W. Okay. Bush. Mm-hmm. Um, he was running for president. He wasn't even president yet. Right. <clears throat> I had that thing with the lips there, where he... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. And the eye, and it just, you contort the yeah. face. Or with the Jim Carrey, or I did the other day, I was doing something where I, I made a, what I say, something like, oh, an Austin Powers, like, yeah, you know, or... Or um, a Jim Carrey with you know, the, the, or the Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. you know, where you're incorporated. The Stallone thing I did for you, remember? Mm-hmm. The, yeah, yeah. And that's all. I don't even have to say anything. What'd you say? He look. looks like. Oh yeah, he looks like his. Uh, <laughs> he looks like Stallone. Like he was having sex <clears throat> and had an orgasm, and his face got stuck. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, listening to it, you want to be like, "Oh God, baby, this is what I do." And it looks like, you know, when you see it, I'm at That's funny. And it's, yeah, so I started learning. So some of you start doing the face, or some with gestures. You know, Trump's got a lot of, um, uh, Trump has some punums, he has some faces, but he's mm-hmm. got gestures with the hands, yeah. the timing of the hands, how he yeah. uses them, what you know, goes from this to this. So right. I, I start, so right now I got like scruff on my face, I don't really, you know, I'm not wearing a, a, a dressism or anything. Like on Saturday Night Live, they put you in costume, they put you in right. you really have, you know, yeah. you, but um, so when you, you have to overcome the fact that you might not look like the person by really just getting into their rhythm, both which not is, just vocally, but also physically as well. Which is more <laughs> impressive to me when you don't have yeah. Uh, makeup 
yeah. uh, and, a, and a costume, you know, and that's because how many times have have you, I'm sure, as, as well as myself, had uh, someone say, oh, man, your impersonations, yeah. you're like, oh, I, I'm yeah, not yeah. dressing up like shit. Right, 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 huh? impersonations. No, I'm just, I'm doing, exactly. I have to do Impersonating is illegal. Right, <laughs> right, right. But I did, I used to do, uh, back in the day, when, again, I always used to get the presidential candidates early on. Uh, mm-hmm. Obama was one. Okay. Um, early on, before he was president, uh-huh. and I just, you know, got his speaking style, right. and I could do it. Right. Uh, vocally, obviously, don't look like him, but, um, but I would get the mannerisms and the timing, right. and I would just get little certain nuances. And people would just really respond to that, you know. I knew if I was going to be in a sketch show, I wasn't going to be playing him. But uh, oh, again, they they had uh, Fred Armisen do it. You know, you never know. But (laughs) they had Daryl Hammond uh, play Jesse Jackson. Oh right, yeah, Colin Powell. Oh right, right. Yeah, you play him, and then they. but exactly, so. but um, you know, so you you know, you usually want to try and when you're doing for a sketch show, go with type. You want to do something yeah. that you could play, and also maybe do a few that nobody else does. Say that you know, because I I may not have mentioned in the last episode, even though we dropped some jewels, I didn't point out protocol, but I like dropping dropping notes because a lot of newer comics will yeah. will listen and, sure. and hear this, and it's a refresher for some guys that um you know just uh, haven't gotten opportunities, and so. Point that out again. You know, oh, okay, so today is is when when you're auditioning for a sketch show, right? It behooves you yeah. to go with, if you're doing impressions. And yeah. usually, a, a sketch show audition is right. three characters, three impressions. Yeah, I always. By the way, I never did. I always did like fifteen. Of course. And I wrote a bit. I have a bit I do. That's how you win. I had a, a bit I did on stage that I turned into an audition piece. Was my celebrity phone sex hotline? Boom. So it's like if you want, you know, so and so press one, beep, and I was, and it was boom, but and it would move. I could do like could run fifteen impressions in the same amount of time most people would take to do three. I could do like twelve or. And, and the reason, well, first. Firstly, uh, Stephen was saying, and I concur, uh, when you audition for a show, know your type. Yeah. And if if you're if you're a white guy with red hair, <laughs> it doesn't make sense for you to say here. Here's my impression of Chris Rock because right, right. when they right. when they go to um, <clears throat> shoot that. They're not gonna put you in blackface. Right, exactly. It's not PC, exactly. and they're gonna have a black guy that even if even if your impression yep. is better. Yes, that than, is exactly than the right. Black guy, they're gonna cast cast the black guy. When I auditioned for the 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 Keenan Ivory Wayne's remake of *In Living Color*, yeah. I you know I didn't put Obama in there. I didn't put any of that. So right. I knew I was gonna be playing him. Right, right. Um, I put Trump in there, and that was funny because that was before he was even running for president. Right, right, right. But uh, you know, so that yeah, so I would be mindful of that. And then the other thing you want to be mindful about is uh, you know, do you want to you. Know, if you do a Pacino or a Schwarzenegger, I mean, these have been done a lot. Yeah. Now, if you happen to have one that's better than everybody else and you just want to show that yours is better, right. all right, you know, to give them an idea. But <clears throat> you want to put in people who are hip now. If you're doing a Saturday Night Live, they're going to be doing um, current events material mm-hmm. a lot. So you got to do people who are contemporary now. Yeah. And then if you have somebody classic that's good, you know, show them the range. But but put in somebody that nobody's doing yet. Yeah. Oh wow, yeah. this is the nobody does him. That's brilliant. Right. You're the guy that unlocked that. Right. When I when I did uh, when I uh, tested for Mad TV or, or actually it was the audition for Mad TV at the time. Um, I was doing Kevin Spacey. This was in 2000. You know, you just done mm-hmm. American Beauty. Right. No one was doing no one Kevin was doing Spacey. Spacey. So I did Kevin Spacey. I was doing Matt Dillon. People that you didn't see people do. Right. And they go oh. right. and and uh, what's his name? I can't think of his name. From uh, from Mad TV, uh, the producer, he said to me, "Oh, Salzman, David, uh, David Salzman." I thought it was, it was a Dick something. Um, I remember David. Uh, I it was David Salzman. Uh, it'll hit me later. But anyway, uh, he specifically said to me, "He goes, I've never seen anyone do Kevin Spacey. I've never seen anyone do Matt. He's like that's great. In addition to the few, you know, and then Jim Carrey was really strong. I and they also, I bet, give <clears> you <throat> credit for your writing. You know, for mm-hmm. for what right. people need to realize is." Yes. 
uh, when you audition, anytime you audition for something, specifically a, a, a sketch show, you are also a writer. You may not yes. get the, the credit as a writer, That's but you true. also are a writer. You're Absolutely. a writer, you're a producer, you're a casting. Yep. You know, and what, so simil- similarly, when I auditioned for Mad TV and right. SNL, I wound up writing a sketch where I said, this is my impression of a black awards show where uh, Chris Rock and Chris Tucker are hosting and Jay-Z and Eric Badu are doing a duet and Denzel Washington and Sam Jackson present James Earl Jones with a Lifetime Achievement Award. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. And the reason that we are, you and I are very similar is because that's very similar to you saying, here's my, here's my, um, here's my, what, Hollywood uh, sex line? Uh, uh, Celebrity phone sex. Celebrity phone sex. What, because what that does, and for anybody listening, it's a framework. It's it's a framework and now, that you've already done this setup, yeah, and you've saved yourself time yeah. in the three minutes they've given you. You now save yourself time versus everybody else that goes in there and says, "Now, hey, now he, here's my impression of Adam Sandler as a janitor," and they, they, they do, do that awful turnaround, then they come back, "Hey, uh, oh, oh no, yeah. I just but, but now that's that's five to ten seconds. Right, right. They're they're taking out by having to set up each yep, person. Absolutely, you've set it up at the top, and now you just just going in, and it 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 shows your your um your your talent and your dexterity when you're just going from yes. Kevin Spacey to Did Donald Trump right. to you exactly. know and bouncing around and the material to, each yeah. one had a joke so everything yeah. was a laugh line like with the Trump you know you know it's a celebrity phone sex hotline you know I, I used to say uh um, I have the biggest penis in all of New York State. It's 3,200 square feet, which is huge, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, whatever it was, and it was always something related yeah. to, the, to what but it was doing. But that's clever. You know? that, that, that shows that... That shows the producers and impresses the producers because right. not only are you doing someone yeah. that no one else is doing, right. but also shows. Oh wow, you're Got writing, you're, chops. You're writing yeah. chops. And I, I, Lauren said that to me. He's like, oh, wow. you know, I, uh, you know, I, I, I re- we really liked. I've never seen anyone do Denzel Washington, and we really like the writing on that. You know, and I was like, boom. That's that, a great Doctor <laughs> Evil, by the way. That's not a great one. <clears throat> that's so funny when they reveal that people didn't know that that was actually yeah a lot of people <laughs> still to this day don't know that right right <laughs> that, that, that Dr. Evil and Lauren Michaels Lauren Michaels was the motivation uh, and muse as it were for uh, you know let, yeah, yeah throw, baby throw, throw us a bone here okay people boo frickety who <laughs> <laughs> yeah I see why we've been having yeah, fun I know dude it's been great it's been so great so, but yeah so you learn those things the more you do it and uh, yeah I, um, so um, do you remember your first impression when you were a kid oh yeah I think um, well actually yeah they, some, um, someone I did an interview recently and they asked me this and here's the funny answer it was uh, it was my sister uh, um, I was about maybe this is a true story my, I was about six my sister may have been three give or take okay and uh, my dad who we established in the last episode as a newscaster he'd be working at night so he used to call in from the office to say goodnight to us okay know? and sometimes depending on the timing if he couldn't call so sometimes Jill would be she'd be asleep already uh-huh. so uh-huh. I'd be talking to him and I'd dad goes alright let me say goodnight to your sister I'd say okay and then she'd be already in bed but yeah. I'd come back like I said a couple of seconds later hi daddy and he's like hello sweetheart <laughs> and we have a conference and we, every time my mother be sitting there laughing. Oh, wow, that's funny. And, Did you uh, ever reveal to him? Yeah, eventually. 
<laughs> he's he's like, you, you what? <laughs> but then even after we revealed him, I think he still fell for it a couple uh, times. So, um, so that was, I think, early on. And then, you know, I was doing stuff like Jimmy Carter, and I was doing, like, Horseshack from right. Welcome Back. Right. You know, and you, start to, and you start, people are like, oh, and applauding, yeah. and you're yeah. doing it, and you realize, oh, okay. It's power. Yeah, it was just um, exactly, and it just was one of those natural things. I never even had to think about right. it. I could just imitate, and, and I do a lot of impressions of people, like real people that we know. Right, right, right. Other right. comedians right. Or, or people in the industry, and yeah. we, you know, how often do we get called to go uh, do voiceover auditions for things we're hearing for the first time, yeah. you know? <clears throat> so uh, we just, we can pick it up pretty quickly, and then... Uh, match a voice if we have to but then also if it's somebody that is more three dimensional or, or mm-hmm. people know better the trick is also finding the hooks because here we were talking about this with Jamie Foxx the other day you, you, about Jamie Foxx the other day you know when you do something on stage as a comedian versus when you do something like Jamie is a great example because he did a Ray Charles in his stand up act mm-hmm. yeah. well it's a stand up act you have to have you have to sometimes you exaggerate things in a stand up mm-hmm. act to accentuate the, the nuances right. to make them funny but then when you're playing an Academy Award winning role of a guy who's iconic and everybody right. knows right. and you're not doing an impression you are literally becoming that right. but that is a whole other you're level you're channeling them I was so impressed with, with yeah. Jamie and I just worked with him only you know within that year before right. and uh, and you know we're doing stupid sketches together and then all of a sudden he's getting an Oscar the next year right. I mean that's a whole other level to, to right. bring an impression to that is it, it, that, there's a lot of other elements going yeah, in there and it's yeah, really yeah, impressive because he had all, all, yeah. all the ticks and you know oh, oh, yeah. and, and, and the, yeah, the, the was, posture yeah yeah yeah, yeah. He, had, he had everything but it wasn't it wasn't um, but it wasn't an impression it wasn't right. an impersonation he was right. actually that's the difference because if he was on stage that wouldn't be funny you have to because he had right. to play so many levels he had to right. play sad he had to play sad. when you're in comedy stage you, you got to find the little hooks yeah. accentuate them make them funny yeah. and exaggerate them a little and, but on, on that in that film man that was uh, oh my god when he was in the in the, in the uh, what do you call the it? Rehab? Methadone clinic yeah, or whatever. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, oh yeah. my god! They, they, yeah, yeah, coming off the the oh. heroin. Yeah. So um, yeah. So that that's so that's another that's an ex- extreme of where the impression goes from yeah. being just you know and and also <clears throat> as you know there are impressions where we may have a line or two mm-hmm. of somebody that we can nail them if we're doing that one thing. Yeah. And then there's other impressions where you can speak fluently, yeah. where you can just interview me, and I can think like the person and, and know exactly. Well, how yeah, if you, if you yeah. if you get in the person's well, like you you with Trump, right? Me with Tracy, right? Right? You know, exactly. You you know you're so familiar with the uh, with the individual that you can think for them, and you can yeah. think you know how their yeah. mind would respond given any situation. Yeah. I was the George W. Bush guy a bunch of years ago. There's this company that used to do, um, I, think they, I don't know if they're still around, they, they do uh, call-ins for radio shows. Okay. So let's say a uh, radio show is doing, uh, hey, we want President Bush on the, on the show or we want Donald Trump on the show or whatever it is. And so, uh, you know, you got people and, and you would send them questions and ask you questions. I used to write my own stuff because the other writers they had were terrible. Yeah. And I used to write questions for DJs, you know, and you, you'd get up at like six in the morning, seven in the morning, and you're doing five or ten right. different interviews at station. You know, they're right. five minutes. Right. You have to call up. <clears throat> you can't say, how oh, hi, this is Steven doing the George Bush thing. You know, you have to call, hi, this is uh, President George W. Bush for the G right. Morning Zoo. Oh, yes, Mr. President, hold on, you know, right. and that's how they do it. Right. And, uh, but you, you write the material that you know you know the question this I never used to give them the answer I always just wrote the question right. and would set it up so I could you know do what I was going to do right. but sometimes I would do those interviews and I felt like they forgot 
smart. I felt like they forgot that I was not President Bush. They oh, were absolutely. asking me real serious policy questions. Luckily, <laughs> I'm a wealth of useless information. I did my homework, but right. they would ask me serious stuff like, okay, this is out of the sketch, but right. I would be able to, I mean, you know, you and I are like, we just have comics. Where, like I said, we know everything. Sponges I would watch it. the news the night before. I'd yeah. find out where the president was that day. I just knew a lot of stuff. You know, and I was I was I was doing some station like in Idaho. I happened to know who the uh, the governor of Idaho, oh, was. Wow. and I was like, uh, well, I was just hanging with uh, Governor Kempthorne, or as we like to call him, Mr. Potato Head, <laughs> and you know, whatever what, and there, and <clears throat> I was able to just go with it, you know. So that's that's another level when you when there's, you can be able to just riff. There's something to be said about being prepared. Yes. too. you know that you can never you can never be over you can never over prepare. So True. so that shows that the professional in yeah. you. Was like here. Let me make sure I have, uh, ready have to go. the the necessary information so that they can't stump me. Because if I get yeah. stumped, that can ruin the entire total, illusion. total bit. Absolutely, I was always. And then when that did start happening, I handled it perfectly the first couple of times. But then I started, like you said, preparing for it in case yeah. you get a DJ who just wants to go off book, yeah. and you know you were able to not ruin the bit. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> you know, with since we've spoken about Jamie Foxx a couple of times, um, you wound up you. When did you start? What year exactly would you say you started stand-up? For 95. For 95. 95, So uh, your first big opportunity, first big break, was that uh, going to Montreal and getting a deal, or is is that... uh, Yeah, uh, of that level, yeah. I did, well, the way Montreal worked was, first year I went up was just to check it out and see what it was about. What year was that? Uh, That was 98, just to go see what it was. Got a couple of spots at a local club. Next year, I was with... uh, Oh, and that's where actually, when I was up there, I was with a local manager, and he... We met with some LA managers and they really liked me, and so they made a deal to share me. Oh, so now I have bi coastal representation out of that. So that yeah, was a good man, move. Yeah. And then suddenly I'm a, and, and remember Steve White, who's uh, uh, Steve White. <laughs> a lot, a lot of you guys might know Steve White. He was uh, Def, <laughs> Def Comedy Jam alum, but you also know him from uh, from Do the Right Thing. He's he was one of Spike Lee's players. You, you also <laughs> saw him if, if you if you happen to watch, um, and we all have. Uh, if you watch Coming to America, he had a cameo. Uh, what do you think? Thank you, Mister Freak. He was uh, take a chance, darling. <laughs> <laughs> he was on the subway. And and you've seen him in a bunch of spikes, uh, spikes joint, and yeah. very funny, very funny comedy. Oh, one of the, uh, very funny, funny comedy. Yeah. But uh, Bobby Collins, Steve White, they were with this management company. <laughs> Bobby, too. Collins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bobby Collins, how you doing? <laughs> so yeah, he, so these guys, you know, so I, I it was my first time going to L.A., first time getting on the improv right, stage, doing right. those showcases. So that kind of right. helped. So then next year they lobbied to get me scene to be in new faces oh cool and i got that that new fun. faces in montreal just for last comedy yes yeah. that that at the time that was the the big showcase right. uh, this was the biggest comedy festival in the world at the time montreal right. uh canada and uh and all the hollywood people would go up there and that's where they discover the hot new town on this new faces right. showcase so it was a real big deal to get on it and i finally got on it and i went up and i had my you know uh dom Herrera hosted and uh all the industry there <clears throat> and that's where you get seen in the world and because my manager was like really f- fed up and she's like yeah, I, I i all right listen I guarantee you, Steven's gonna get a deal. If he doesn't, I will quit the business. She oh said. wow! That, by the way, that's what managers need. Managers need to be at that level to say so. They say, I, I will quit this. I'm telling you, he will get it. If he does not, I will just quit show business because I'm. I, so they they that helped. I got the spot, and I ended up getting. Did a that deal. make you feel pressure? Um, no, I thought I thought that was pretty cool that you yeah, did that. That's what you so have too. to do. Most managers aren't that yeah, ballsy. Yeah. Um, and it worked. I got the spot. I did get a deal with Castle Rock. Okay. It was a small Castle Rock deal. Entertainment. Castle Rock yeah. Television. Glenn Padding was the president, mm-hmm. and that was kind of cool. And I'm in his office. It was, in, it was six figures. Uh, that one six? wasn't the okay. one. The, the one coming up after that was. Okay. This was a deal. It was interesting. It was set up where it would have been six figures if 
a show we did okay. went. Okay. The show unfortunately did not go, so it was it was a lot less. But okay. um, but nonetheless, it was here. I'm you know um, I'm with the president of Castle Rock, and I'm and the, and he gives me a bunch of, he gives me a bunch of scripts. Here, take these home on the plane. See if you like anything. We'll oh, develop wow. it around you. I'm like, oh okay, dude, that's awesome. And I'm like, I don't want to read all these. I picked the one I liked the best. I, <laughs> by, I read by through what, it. The title. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I read it, and, and it was called Crappy Jobs, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> and it was uh, I read it. And I liked it. This is it. I'm not going to read this. This is this is good. Yeah, and I told okay. so they they got me with the um, they got me with the showrunner. And there was another lead, uh, one of uh, Willie Mercer's guys, a guy named Pete Johansson, a Canadian comic. And they put us together as the two leads in this show. Basically, we were guys out of college who were just trying to find our way. He, I was. Uh, he was the guy who was working for like the hell boss who makes him mm-hmm. like walk his plants and whatever you know it was like uh, and I was the guy who just had a new job each week I couldn't keep a job because I was like you know like that couple um, yeah I'm like I'm working a ball I'm the kid but yeah so and, and but they won they said to the showrunner they said I want you to tailor this show around Steven and Pete mm. around our personalities around our act right. that's pretty cool yeah when you're at that level cool. and suddenly you're walking into NBC and you're walking into Fox and you're walking into ABC and you're, and you're having pitch meetings with mm. the president of Castle Rock you're suddenly at that level it's yeah. like ooh that's pretty cool yeah. And then uh, he loved the show. The show ended up, you know, as Hollywood works out, it just it didn't go. Mm-hmm. Um, but then a year later, um, I wanted to go back to Montreal, but you can't be in the festival two years in a row. Mm-hmm. So I just called him up. I said, you know, my birthday is in the summer that week of Montreal, and mm-hmm. it's always good to see everybody. So I just called up. Like, Jody. July, baby? Yeah, yeah, July oh. 25th. Yeah. Oh, dude, yeah, yeah. July 30th. Oh, dude, no wonder we're both makes, like this. It, it makes sense. a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, so funny. We'll have to, when we're in New York, you come to the, we'll do the, the yeah. birthday party thing. So um, anyway, um, as I was saying, the um, uh, so I, I called up uh, Jody. I said, hey, can I? Uh, can I just get a badge to come up and hang out for mm-hmm. a little bit? And they said, yeah, yeah, you're alum. You did this thing last year, no problem. So I wasn't booked on any shows. Mm-hmm. I was just there hanging out. I had some sort of industry badge. And I went up, and I went to the club, uh, Comedy Works, where I'd gone before, and they put me on a bunch of the shows. Right. People knew me. And uh, I went up, and on one of the shows, you know, I, I did a few of them, and um, nothing was happening. And uh, finally, in the last show, he said, I'll, I'll try and get you on the last show. And I was with this you know, hot girl. We were hanging out. And I said, you know what? I'm, it's late. It's after midnight. I said, let's just go back to the hotel. That's where all the schmoozing mm-hmm. goes on. Let me just go back the to the Delta? Club. Yeah, the Delta. That's the right. Delta. And I said, let me go back and just tell them, you know, hey, thank you. But and, I went up, and then the guy running the show says to me, oh, I got you. I got you. I'm going to put you on the end of the show. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> I, I didn't want to seem ungrateful. You know? Of course. So yeah. I was like, all right, cool. And, you know, so I hung out. And I figured, the club's packed, but I don't think all the industry. I'm thinking is gone. They're yeah. back at the hotel. The whole deal. So I'm waiting and I'm waiting, and there's this awful act that goes up. It was like some Asian thing. It was they were doing. It was weird. It was a sketch thing. They were terrible. <laughs> and I had to go on and follow that. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. But and don't you are, are you thinking you know that's actually working to my advantage? Well, I was wondering if it was. I just thought it was like. Or killing me. Or people are kind of just looking at their watches going, all right, you know. So I go up, and I wasn't thinking about anybody being there, so I just had a great set. It's just one of those, you know. And then I get off the stage, and I'll never forget this this, uh, very intense, large African-American woman named Cheryl Morgan, I think, who was Mm -hmm. the head of development at Warner Brothers at the time, comes, don't you move! I'm like, I'm not moving. (laughs) moving. (laughs) She's like, oh my God, she was the head of development at Warner Brothers Television. And she's there with a woman named Dee Dee Bradley, who was one of their top casting people, mm-hmm. and Marcus King, who mm-hmm. was Jamie Foxx's uh, manager at the time, right. producer. So um, they were casting a sketch show for Jamie uh, to take over for his sitcom, based in a Living Color esque kind of mm-hmm. show on the WB on the WB the network. WB. Yep, and they wanted they saw me as being the the, the token white boy Jim Carrey kind of mm-hmm. role, 
And she's like, oh, my God, you're great. Do you, do you act? And I'm like, well, yeah, of course. And she's like, oh, great, great. Well, we got to get you to L.A. Um, I said, actually, and I just found out, this is by coincidence, this is, this is how things work in Hollywood. You have to have two people interested in you at the same time to get any place. Really That's do. really how it works. Really do. Because because no one wants to feel like yes. they missed out yes. on an opportunity. Yes. It's, it's like the girl that sits next to you until your friend's interested in her. And you're like, actually, this is a, I'm going to quote it. I'm going off the tangent a little bit. But you remember the show Entourage? Yeah. There's a great line in that movie that sums up Hollywood. I never forgot it. Basically, the backstory simply is it was when they were trying to sell that Ramones movie, and Martin yeah. Lando was that old school producer, yeah. and he's you know, how would a Sanka? You know, he's just really so he's screwing up the meetings, and always annoyed because he's like, I just let me go and do my thing. So he says, all right, our, so they get turned down from Paramount, mm-hmm. and uh, he says, uh, so he says, all right, our next meeting is over at uh, is over at uh, Warner Brothers. So why don't you meet us there? And meanwhile, he and E go off to Universal's where they're meeting. As he tells the guy it was the wrong place. So he goes in there, Ari does his thing, and he sells it. And uh, he is like, man, I, I got to admit, Ari, you nailed it in there. He goes, yeah, you see, I came, I saw, I kind of goes, but we got now we got to, Bob's sitting at the wrong place. But don't worry, he'll be thrilled when we find out we just sold the show. He's like, all right, you call Bob, take care of that. He goes, I'm going to call, uh, I'm gonna call uh, Warner Brothers, I'm going to call Paramount and get a bidding war going. And he says, well, Paramount already said no. He goes, yeah, that was before they knew Universal was interested. Right. You see, he goes, he goes, uh, you can't fuck the prom queen until she finds out her best friend jerked you off underneath the bleachers. <laughs> 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 it's like, and it's so true. Yeah. So this was one of those situations where I had been testing, or I had been auditioning for rather for Mad TV, and I got a test deal offer for Mad TV. Okay. And I, I had just signed with William Moore. They, I was represented by William Moore, so I had big people handling me. And I said, to Cheryl, oh, I'm supposed to be there next week to test for Mad TV. And she went, oh, wait. Did you sign a test deal? I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't think so. It's like, you didn't sign anything yet. I was like, uh, no, no. It's just supposed to be Wednesday. She's like, okay, okay. Who are your agents? I told her, and they were back at the Delta. They were up in Montreal. So now here it is. You know, so it's like one in the morning now. You know, and um, so they go. We all go back to the hotel. Everyone's partying. Meanwhile, they're doing negotiating. I found out oh, later again, that they called Peter Roth, who's the president of Warner Brothers, in the middle of the night, mm. and said, "Listen, we saw a guy." And we think he'd be perfect for the show. We really want him. He's being offered. He's testing for Man TV on mm-hmm. Wednesday. So, so yeah, right, exactly. So he says, "All right, get me his tape immediately." Uh-huh. And they overnighted the tape, and he saw it and said, "Buy him, you know, uh-huh. uh, lock him up." And uh, now, meanwhile, I'm I'm in Montreal. We fly Sunday. I fly back to New York. Yeah. Tuesday is my birthday. Right. Uh, I got a big birthday party. Wednesday, I'm supposed to go to L.A. to test for Mad TV. I right. nobody's giving me information yet. I don't know what the hell's <laughs> happening. You know, uh, I'm 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 not in, uh, aware of any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm at my birthday party. A lot of guys you know are there. Right. Uh, Tom Alex Cotter's Cotter. there. Elon Gold's there. Lynn Coppins is there. A whole bunch. It's like ten, twelve of us, and we're like Benny Hanna, and all this. And uh, it's right before dessert, and my phone rings. Mm-hmm. And it's my West Coast manager and my West Coast agent. Mm-hmm. And I see when you talk to you, I was like, okay, so I step outside. Mm-hmm. And they're telling me, all right, here's the deal. Um, basically, uh, Warner Brothers is offering you a six-figure holding deal, a pay or play, 10 episodes of this new sketch show to take over for Jamie's sitcom on WB Network. It's a primetime sketch show with Jamie Foxx. Tyra Banks was later attached to the show. Mm-hmm. She wasn't at this point. And then uh, they said, um, you know, Mad TV is only a test deal. It's not a guarantee. Right. And it's, you know, it's did, less. Did the Mad TV deal, um, we really do. I, I think I told Jason, I didn't tell you, um, mm-hmm. I wound up getting, I said no to SNL first. Because right. Mad TV offered me the, oh, wow. the gig first. Oh, and wow. And they, they, similar, there was. That's I why you had two people I, interested. Yeah, I, I didn't have a, after the second audition, I, I auditioned Thursday, um, they called me back. They gave me a call back right as I left. Uh-huh. Um, 
I had a show that night, had a great stand-up set that night. The next day, I went in for producers. Um, and then two weeks later, uh, I was shooting a commercial. And uh, and they said, my agent said, good news, better news. Good news is Mad TV, they don't want to screen test. They, they're offering you six oh, nice. with a roll to 12 or 13. That's right. Yeah. I, think, I think it was four or six. It, it's like a feature thing. So, yeah, they were saying to me that the Mad TV deal was... If I got it, it would be like four or six episodes, mm-hmm. maybe it's mm-hmm. six. And it, I think it was like for only whatever amount of money. It was a lesser amount of money. Mm-hmm. And um, and then they have to decide if, if they, they want to like you. they like you, they right. you up for 12 or 13. Right. Right. This one, the Jamie Foxx, was 10 episodes guaranteed pay or play. Meaning if, even though the show was ordered, right. the show was ordered for 10 episodes. Okay. It was already on the air. Right. And if anything happened and it didn't go on the air, I'd still get paid for all 10 episodes. Oh, okay. And it was prime time. Right. And, and it so was probably, uh, it was double the money. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say it's yeah. probably better money than what right. TV was offering. So in a worst case scenario, I would make ten episodes worth of, of income no matter what happened. Right. So they said to me, "We're recommending you take the 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 Warner Brothers deal," right. and I'm like, "Okay, sounds yeah. good to me." So did you feel any uh, remorse because? Mad TV showed such interest, or or were you just like, "This is about business," um, so I don't care. I felt like. You know, I'm I'm with I got William Morris and I got Matt. You know, these are people at the top level who are gonna um, say to them, you know, look, this is what happened. I mean, I, I mean, if they're in business, they got to know you're getting right. offered twice the amount of money to be with Jamie right. Fox and on his primetime sketch show. You know, how do you turn that down? Right. I mean, I, I mean, it would have been cool because everyone knows Mad TV; it's an established entity. Right. Uh, but again, it wasn't guaranteed. I could go out and test, and they could turn me down, or right. I could go out and test and do six episodes, yeah. and they go, "Yeah, we're not keeping so, you." You know, we like Michael you know? McDonald more, right? right. Exactly. Right. And 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 this is a show. I mean, again, I'm, this was, yeah, this was the right. This was the right yeah. deal. So I was like, so I walked back into the birthday party. Everyone's looking at me, like, "Dude, where you been? You've been gone for fifteen minutes. We got a cake here for you." I'm like. Uh, guys, I just got the best birthday present of my life. This was on my birthday. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm like, I just got a six zero holding deal with Warner Brothers. I was like, holy crap. Yeah. That was pretty darn cool. I've had some good luck on my birthday in this business. Oh, yeah. Well, my, my AGT aired last year on my birthday. Right. And then uh, I once got uh, a TV show and something else on my birthday. That was the best one, though. Okay. That, that. So anyway, what happened was, so the way it worked was, Jamie Foxx had this, um, this sitcom on the WB Network. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way it works is uh, once you get to 100 episodes of a TV show, you can then get a syndication deal. Yeah. 100 is the magic number. And Jamie's uh, sitcom was coming up to episode 100, I think, in December mm-hmm. of that year. And uh, so what he was going to do is what we in the industry call the back nine. Mm-hmm. There's only two places where that in the world where that term applies, uh, show business and golf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so the back nine is the is the winter, the fall season. Uh, I'm right. sorry, the, the spring season. Right. So you have, what, 22 episodes typically in a yeah. season, and the first back to 13, nine, yeah. and then the back nine was the January to right. May. <clears throat> so what he was going to do is, for those remaining episodes of his show, which actually came to 10 episodes, was going to be this new hot sketch show, mm-hmm. uh, which had a few titles going around. One of them was These Nuts. These and Nuts. These, these Nuts, these. right. Yeah, These Nuts. and Because um, I, remember, I remember when that show. Yeah, and that was the big thing. And Jamie was going to make it like the new and living color, and right. it was going to finish. So the, sh- the slot was already there. It was already his. Right. He was just going to cut the sitcom at episode 100 and mm-hmm. continue with this new sketch show. Right. And then we were going to, you know. So what ended up happening was the, uh, they they were they didn't have their act together. Th- things ran behind schedule, and they weren't ready to go for a production mm. um, to uh, start airing mm. in January. Oh wow! So they got pushed back to the next fall. And Ugh. what ended up yeah, what ended up coming in in the meantime was that show hype, 
which had Frank Caliendo and this guy Chicken, who also was a Montreal. Like, yeah, God bless. Right, right, yeah. Right, yeah. Oh, did oh, I didn't know that. I didn't even know. Oh that. yeah, Michael oh. Chicken Roof. I I didn't know that. Was it a suicide? Yeah, he's, oh. he's been he's been going for. Many I had years, no idea. Yeah, I knew yeah. I knew he dropped off. I didn't know he literally dropped off the yeah, world. Wow. Yeah, um, so um, anyway, yeah, he was the he was the the hype that year in Montreal when I got my deal. He got like this insane deal. They saw him he, do he some got, crazy. The the number the, the lore in history has made the number jumped it. From yeah, I heard it at three hundred to three, and then yeah. I at one point heard like six hundred. I don't know. think it could have been six hundred. But, but well, but similarly to what your uh, your reps did, I believe there. I, I remember hearing the story. There was a bidding war. Yeah. Because someone else wanted to scoop him up. That's it. And Warner Brothers said no. We we we. His 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 angle was. I think he was a a, a white comic. I'll I'll put in the category of like a Gary Owen in that he was he did a lot of he did urban rooms, mm-hmm. um, and so there's probably a good amount of like pandered what 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 and, right. and that whole thing and and he the did hip, a lot of his I just knew of him very fu- physical yeah, and and the chair ramping a chair yeah yeah and um and from what I understand I, I've I've heard a couple of people uh, tell me so the problem was when he got when they gave this is a be, let me put this out there. Uh, many people in the industry believe that he wound up, and I, you know, it's not, it's doesn't, it's not right to talk about people right. when they're not alive. Right. But this is just a, a, a for educational the, purposes, yeah, educational <laughs> purposes, and a, and a fact of the industry that up until that year, comics were getting development deals. Mm. Usually, you know, sometimes low six figures, sometimes higher. So they range between one. And three. One Mine was three, holding. Yeah. There's development and there's right, holding. Right, right, right. So basically what happens and what it means is they can, so in my case with the holding deal, Warner Brothers owns me, has the rights to me for a year. Right. And, uh, and they have to, they, they do everything they can to cast you when it's a holding right. deal. They're holding you with with the hopes to cast you in something. Yes. Uh, because they believe in your talent. Yes. So they this particular one, I, there was a particular project that they, they were holding me for, but right. they did. I did audition for other Warner Brothers projects, and right. that was kind of cool. Right. Right. So I, they could put me in anything. Right. But uh, but then a development deal is more like we don't know what we're doing with this guy yet, but we want to create something for you. Right. So the Jamie Fox sketch show, D's Nuts, was already in existence. They right. wanted to put me in that, and that was that was a holding deal. And then and right. then Chicken got the the development deal. Now with 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 the deal like that, you. Does that also include the pay or, pay or play? You get your deal money mm-hmm. um, in four, four increments, I would imagine. Yeah, how it works is, if um, so basically, there's Warner Brothers Studios. Oh, there you go, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's Warner Brothers Studios, <laughs> and... Um, and there's uh, uh, there's then there's the WB network. Right. So the way it worked was the um, Warner. My deal was with Warner Brothers Studios, mm-hmm. and they fronted me the money for right. the ten episodes of the show and whatever bonuses or extras are in there. And then the show airs, and my salary from the WB network mm-hmm. gets paid to Warner Brothers Studios. Gotcha. Okay. Um, if the show for any reason doesn't go. Then I keep what Warner Brothers already paid me. Okay. So basically, it's like I'm being paid in advance right. for something that's going to happen later. And right. if it doesn't happen later, I get to keep what I was given in advance. And that's then pay or play. What, in season two, <coughs> after <coughs> after that, uh, those back nine air, mm-hmm. then you you get paid. 
Well, yeah, I don't remember specifically if it was in my contract. I may have signed contracts that said, mm-hmm. okay, if the show goes forward, this is your salary for right. the second year. I think right. I did sign something right. like right. that Absolutely. where I was locked in for a certain amount of years at right. a certain price okay. or whatever. Okay. That's yeah. So that's where the lawyers and the agents. Yeah, did all that's, that that's, stuff. that's what. Uh, but for the, that, for, yeah, yeah, the lawyer, the network lawyers and the agency lawyers, yeah, they get in there, uh, get in there, and that's and so and the deal. And what was nice is I got because you know this with SNL that you signed on at a time where they had that notorious contract that we're like we basically own everything mm-hmm. you've ever done yeah. and uh and i had a deal where any pre-existing characters i had reverted back to me after a year after the show airs or oh, whatever so i i had to write a letter i was thinking of characters like i even did when i was I, like even if i didn't do, i was writing everything right, i could possibly right. think of on that list right. that i've ever done of course and this way so it's like it's okay break because yeah because like that's why guys like uh, the saturday night live did it after like mike myers did uh the Austin Powers became such a big success and a lot of these uh, Sandler and these guys uh, Lauren was like hey I want a piece that I launched yeah. these guys and it gets a little greedy mm-hmm. so yeah anything you do they own right. uh, and that's weird when you're creating something and you can't even do your own thing right. so I that was nice that that was negotiated into the contract yeah. that things that I that were pre-existing I get to have back so basically the, the, to, to finalize the story for you so yeah I basically crashed the festival that year I get a deal um, and uh, uh, now I have to go to LA the show's pushed back here I go to LA to tell Test for the show. Mm-hmm. And everyone said to me, and you and I talked about this the other day, uh, oh, dude, you, it's a cakewalk for you. You're, you already got your deal, man. You're mm-hmm. not. I, was, I looked at it the opposite. Yeah. I looked at it as like, they just shelled out six figures on me. I better be the best damn person in that room. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. That's how I was raised. You know, right. I'm not going to cakewalk nothing. I'm right. going to go in and make them feel good about what they spent. Right. So um, so there was a lot of pressure on me for that. We did a, we did a, show, uh, a show at the HBO Workspace in LA. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys were in there. Uh, they gave us 10 minutes to do our thing. I killed it. Um, but it went long. The night went long. A lot of guys went over their time. So we were supposed to come in uh, the next night or two days later to do the same exact thing for the network people. Right. But what happened was the, there were two presidents of uh, WB at the time. One was a woman named Suzanne Daniels who was like eight months pregnant. And the other was a guy named Jordan Levin who had the flu. Mm-hmm. So they were a mess. They couldn't come in. They were they, they, so they postponed it a week. Oh. So they kept me in LA. They put me up at the Mondrian. Okay. Not a bad problem to have. Right. right. And they said we're gonna do it next week. But then instead of doing the HBO workspace, they said no. There's a, we couldn't get uh, we couldn't get the uh, they couldn't get the HBO workspace. They said we're just gonna do it in an office. Ugh. I'm like you're kidding me. Uh. I'm like some people were were actors who were just gonna go in the office anyway. But the, for the stand ups, that's yeah. like pretty. We, we want an audience. We need it. We, we, we know where we win. Yes, yeah. we know the, it's a different energy and everything. So I told this to Dee Dee, and she understood, and she did her best to make that office like a comedy club. She brought everybody in that she could bring in. They had like 20 seats. You know, they tried to make it like a comedy club. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I was nervous about it. I go in there, and then they said, oh, we have to cut everybody's time in half because everyone went too low. And I was, she's like, but just do what you did the other night. Just do it in five minutes instead of ten. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I got this lose. is day of. This is no. This is a few days before. Okay. She and and then she said to me, uh, "I'll tell you what." She's like, "You were the only person that actually did your time last week. Everybody else went over. So I'm gonna and since your stuff moves, I'm gonna give you seven minutes." Oh wow! So she being gave, professional, yes, doing what you were supposed yes, to do, yes, actually played to your advantage. Absolutely it cool. did. So she gave me seven, but still, I had to lose three minutes okay. of a killer set, and right. that's hard to do. 
So um, I was stressing out. I remember I even called it. We were talking about Elon Gold, who's done some sketch. <clears throat> you know, I, I just couldn't figure out how I was going to do this. Yeah. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to go nuts. They're not looking at a clock. If I'm killing it, they're going to be with me. If I do a minute, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No one's going to care. So I stopped really going crazy about it. So I get to the now the audition, which is in an office at the WB Ranch. Everyone's there. And uh, I haven't been in the office yet. I just know everyone's in there, including Jamie. She got, you know, President Warren Brothers, Vice President Warren Brothers, all the top Jamie King. Fox, Marcus King, everybody's in there, and um, and I need I need an icebreaker because you know when you go on audition, I I got to make these people laugh before I even audition. Right. I got to find something I couldn't find. Right. What's gonna make these? That I was more worried about that, right. you know. And uh, I used to do this thing where I'd go in for auditions and I'd ask them a question like I was there for the wrong show. You know, wait, is this the audition for uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Oh, cause, you know, whatever the hot show was at the time. So I found out, talking to one other girl going in, um, the other the other sitcom on WB at the other time that was the Black Star was uh, Steve Harvey's show. Right, right. And apparently I heard that Jamie Foxx and Steve Harvey didn't like each other. <laughs> and that Jamie wasn't a fan of Steve Harvey. So I was like, that's it. So I go in there, and it's my turn to walk in. I don't know what I'm walking into, and there's everybody. Jamie Foxx, Marcus King, Peter Rudd. So, hi, everybody. This is Steven Scott. I go, hi, everybody. I'm sorry. Am I in the right place? Is this 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 is the audition for the Steve Harvey show, right? And then I hear Jamie go, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole room cracks right, up, right, and I'm right. like, yes, I got him. You know? <laughs> and then uh, the girl had gone in before me. She was a dead ringer for uh, – um, ben Stiller's wife, who played oh, okay. Marsha Brady. Marcia Brady yeah. So I said, "Man, this is great. I'm in LA two days. I'm already meeting celebrities. I just saw Marsha Brady walk out. They crack <laughs> up, and she just went in before me. Oh, that's so that's cool. two laughs before I even get started. I'm like, and I'm that's good. that's <clears throat> so, that's something that you all should also pay attention yeah. to. You know, if if you can going into an audition is all already a, an awkward situation yeah. because you're going you're going into the belly of the beast for people to judge you. Yep. And they know, just like you know, chances are you're not going to book. The, the, mm -hmm. the majority of the time, they're going to say no. Yes. And so if you could go in and win their favor by just cracking a joke and, yeah. and alleviating the tension in the room. They like you already before they even see your work. Exactly. So if they like you and they like your work, that's a double yeah. win. Yeah. So I go Smart. in now and then Dee says, okay, Steven, so he's going to start. And uh, she then proceeds to pull out an egg timer. Oh, the... Yep. Oh. Okay. Oh, so egg so time. now you do have to stick to. So suddenly minutes. I'm like, oh my god, yeah, I'm I'm freaking out because I hadn't locked in. I'm like, I have you know a ten minute set that I was gonna fudge and shorten to maybe you know eight minutes and change, yeah. and now I, I don't have that that bell's gonna go off. Yeah. She turns the thing to seven and puts it on the desk behind me, so I can't even see when it's coming up. <laughs> I'm like shitting bricks. I'm like, oh my god. So in the moment, I come up with this idea. Uh, I, I'm like uh, to take out my setups <clears throat> and I say all right uh, so I say to them I, I look at everybody I say okay everybody here's the thing we did this at the HBO workspace and it was a stand-up set we did 10 minutes then he has to shorten a little bit so I'm just going to take out some of the setups and make it a little tighter and they're looking at me like oh okay well whatever and so I get into it and I go hey everybody, well it's great to be back in LA and with the time difference and you know, I'm so jet lagged and I'm watching a lot of late night TV you know, the good old days before that, and fast I'm forwarding. fast forwarding it, like, but and physicalizing it yeah. without, but without, without acknowledging, like they're watching me on tape and fast right, forwarding, right, right. and they're like, and I did it about four times, maybe five times throughout, right, just, you right, know, right. strategically without missing a beat, yeah. and it shortened my steps, and I do all my stuff, and I'm finally getting to the last thing. I'm doing this radio thing. I'm going through all stations radio, and I'm like, oh my god, that that clock is ticking behind me. I have no idea where it's at, and I'm rushing to try and get through this whole thing, and I'm getting, and I get to the last thing I do on the radio, which is like the, um, it's a reference to my 
my first joke mm-hmm. about the late night TV snow, and it's the last six notes of the Star Spangled Banner. Da, 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 da. And all of a sudden, I get to that last note, and the bell goes off. Oh, wow. It was I, like you couldn't write it more perfectly. Wow. And I was that's, so that's excited. I literally jumped up and went, yeah, right on the button. <laughs> and the, play, the place just erupted. I, the energy was incredible. Because they know <clears> the, yeah. the beauty of that moment is they knew, and the reason they yeah. erupted as well yeah. was not only because it was an amazing audition, yeah. but because they yeah. knew you didn't know. Oh yeah, the timer that was organic. It, that. it was it was organic. <laughs> totally moment. Hundred percent. And and the fast forwards were just the right yeah. amount of oh, fast yeah. forwards. Yeah, yeah. Because timing wise, yeah. you landed right as it buzzed. Yep. Tor- and so exactly. they couldn't help but look. I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah, yeah They yeah. couldn't help but be excited Absolutely. to see someone actually win. You know, I, I think. I think innately people want people to book. Yes. They want yes. they they know they know all of the producers, all the people in that room, mm-hmm. uh, when you go on an audition, even if they're in a bad mood, they mm-hmm. know this opportunity is a big deal to everyone that's coming in. Yeah. Because people are laying their lives on the line, they're putting their heart out, mm-hmm. they're wearing their heart on their sleeve. Yeah. And they want somebody to win and have a, a genuine yeah. moment of excitement, you know, so yeah. they, they were able to be part of that. It was it was magical. Yeah. I was so stressed about it. I was so nervous. I could barely breathe. Sure. So when that happened, it was great. And then I walk out, you know, I'm all cool. And then I'm waiting. And, every you know, there's still other people have to go in after me, including that other... Uh, white guy cup. friend of Jamie's, yeah, right. yeah, I, uh, yeah, that that had to be a tough mess to clean up. Yeah. So, uh, so then I'm waiting. Everyone and everyone comes out, and Dee Dee Bradley comes over to me, and she says, uh, she gives whispers to me. She's like, I can't say anything. Right, I just I'll call you in an hour. I'll go back to the hotel. I'll call you in mm-hmm. an hour. Real serious. Yeah. Everyone walks out. Thank you, everybody. You know, everyone walks out. Thank you, nice to meet you. Okay. And then uh, I go back to the hotel. I got this other girl with me as one of the cast members. We're hanging out. Mm-hmm. And then Dee Dee calls me. And she's like... With the uh, other girl? The other... She, she, the, she, other the Marsha Brady girl. The oh, Marsha okay. Brady girl. The okay. Marsha Brady girl. She, yeah, she, she ended up getting booked on the show. So okay. She's a okay. friend of Jamie's. Very young girl. Okay. Beautiful, uh, raw talent. A little green, but, you know, Jamie kind of threw mm-hmm. her in there. And she, you know, she stepped up. Um, so, um, anyway... Uh, we go back to the hotel, we're at the manager, and the phone rings, and it's Dee Dee, and she's like, hey, Steve, I just want to call you back, I promise to give you a call. Um, so she's like, you did, you did good, everyone did good. I just, um, really, I, uh, she said, there was really only, of all the people in there, there was really only one person that everyone really unanimously w- was crazy about. And uh, I said, oh, okay, am I allowed to know who that is? She goes, I don't know if you know him, uh, do, you, do you know uh, Stephen Scott? <laughs> and it took me a second, I was like, uh, wait, what? Me? Well, yeah, she's like... It was you. I was like, what? Oh, my. She goes, Steven, first of all, thank you. You made me look really good in there, too. Right. She's like, you killed it. And she's like, they all loved you unanimously. And she says, you made me They were like, where did you find him? She's like, at Montreal Comedy Festival. We were at the Comedy Festival. We didn't see him. She goes, yeah. you weren't looking in the right clubs. Oh, nice. <laughs> Which, by the way, fast forward, following year, Montreal 2001, the year I met you, yeah. um, all the Warner Brothers people, the head, uh, everybody, the vice president of Warner Brothers, were all at that dinky little club, the Comedy Works, in uh-huh. Montreal, hanging uh-huh. out, looking uh-huh. for the talent that couldn't get on the main uh, showcases. Funny, funny. So it was very interesting how yeah. it kind of changed that whole yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah, so fast forward. So the show wasn't ready in time. We, you know, we, we pushed it to a fall show, so it was like a brand new show. Mm-hmm. And we went out. And we did a month of uh, this is a uh, you know I guess uh, would have been about uh, 2001 about February 2001, and um, I'm out there doing uh, 
we did workshops for like a month. Mm-hmm. A guy we're working with this week uh, tours with Michael McDonald from Mad TV. Michael was one of the guys that came in. We had coaches working with us on right. character development, improv. Michael um, had the characters too. it. Now yeah, 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 yeah. Mad Michael TV. came in. It was good. There was a few other people you knew too, guys from other sketch shows right. and things. And we would just workshop. We develop character development every day. We go play at the WB Ranch and mm-hmm. just go in there and do stuff. And a couple of times Jamie came by. We didn't. I was the only one of the two guys that was not one of Jamie's boys already. Okay. You know, uh, everybody else had. A history with him, right. so uh, they, he would test you, and they would try to put you through your paces. Yeah, and uh, you know, then we got to the. Uh, I told you about the thing about the, the you know, the table reads and all that. Mm-hmm. And we, um, one guy, there was one guy I won't say who, but there was one guy who they were looking to see. Jamie had a friend, who the guy I beat out, mm-hmm. uh, so a white guy, a friend of Jamie's was staying with him, and um, so Jamie wanted to get him on the show, so he kind of backdoored him because right. he was living right. with Jamie. Right. But they had to get rid of somebody, and somebody was going to go. I wasn't going to let it be me. Right. And uh, they ended up getting rid of one of the other guys. Right. And uh, I felt terrible. He was, he was a good guy. Um, and I, uh, they, they, they fired him, and everyone knew but him. So oh. he shows up to the table read. Oh. God. And no, yeah, that's Hollywood. That's so Hollywood. So Hollywood. My manager's like, oh, they got rid of so and so. I'm like, really? And then he's there the next day, and you're like, oh, that's wow. weird. And then suddenly I have all of his roles. They're like, Stephen, you're reading the part yeah. of the boss. I'm like, what? So you're yeah. reading his roles yeah. in front of him. In front of him. It's oh, crazy. God. It's crazy. And Tyra Banks was now on the show. She right. was working with the Groundlings, and she's like, oh, I want to do, I'd love to be a part of it. They're like, okay. So, <laughs> so she was in the show now. She's the cat. And we're reading. And so I remember calling this guy up. And I, I left them a message, and I said, dude, I'm just so sad about what happened, and, and, and but I just, you got to promise me, I know it's a setback, but you're not going to let it, you know, derail you. You are mm-hmm. so talented, you're a great guy, and just don't, I mean, things like this happen sometimes, but you are so great and talented, don't, just use that as fuel to keep yeah. going. And watch, who knows, this show won't go, you'll probably end up being bigger than all of us. You say and that. that's exactly what happened. This guy is one of the most successful stand-ups working today <laughs> and, and is more successful than all of us put together. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of crazy. I, but we, you don't want to say I don't anything. know if I, I should I, should I? I don't know. I'll, I'll, maybe one day I will. I mean, it's a good story. It's actually something people yeah, should Yeah, that's hear. what I'm like. I, I don't think it's... It's a great... I, you, 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 you haven't said anything negative. It's no, just, no. It's Hollywood... It's a, it's a true Hollywood style. I, if I say this name, would that... No, I guess it's okay. Yeah, go, uh, go what it's, the hell. It's, it's Gabriel Iglesias. Gabriel Iglesias. Gabriel Iglesias. You know, that, and that could have been the, yeah. the one of the moments prior to him doing last yeah. comic that made him say, Absolutely. It's, keep going. it's a good lesson for yeah, people because you're going to get punched in the face sometimes in this business yeah. and sometimes hard. And here it was just a situation. Again, it wasn't really him. They, they you know Jamie wanted to get his other guy in. Someone had to go right. and ended up being Gabriel. And... and um, and it would, but look, look what he did. You yeah, know, man. I mean, he's he's more successful than you know, with the exception of Jamie. I mean, he's he's huge. Yeah. So, um, so maybe that somehow. He's fluffy. Yeah, he's fluffy. <laughs> he's he's, a, he's the guy. So, um, yeah. So actually, it's, it's kind of a good story when you hear where where it ended up. I think but, so. Um, but yeah, so we, we did the show. We shot the pilot. We did a few episodes where there was a great experience. I mean, you showed just, me a couple of the sketches yeah, showed you some of the funny. sketches that were funny. And um, you know, the way Hollywood goes, it was just at a time. the way I explain it, if you re- if you remember the WB network it was a time where they were trying to change their image a little bit from WB standing for we're black to we're buffy Right, you know, right, I remember right. that was like the big show. So they wanted to be more of a crossover network, which a lot, which networks historically, I remember a lot of black people felt that way about Fox because when yeah. Fox first came out, there were there was a lot of diverse programming, yeah. and yeah. then we got we wound up with the uh, Beverly Hills nine hundred two one Melrose right, place, right, and, right, and, right, 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 right. 
and for for years there was there were there wasn't a lot of color excuse me uh on the That's network right. and you're like wait what about yeah. in living color and right, uh, right. uh Cleavon Little had a had oh, a show right. remember yeah. that yeah. <laughs> yeah That's right yeah so um <laughs> that was back when like, like they were like our Cos- Cosby had one Flip yeah. Wilson had oh, one funny. with Charlie and Cole with CBS oh, uh Red Fox wound up with the royal family on oh, ABC right, right, right. and Fox's upstart network was like Oh, what black guys are you? Not a guy from Blazing Saddles. That's, <laughs> that's right. Well, the, and the same guy started the WB network, who's Jamie Kellner, who started Fox. Uh-huh. So, um, so yeah, so that's that's what happened. And, and so what happened was this show. I, I felt, you know, I was watching him do things that I just uh, I thought were. I had a sketch, and the one I showed you, I found out tested the highest, which was really flattering. Mm-hmm. The thing with Jay Lamont. Uh, but uh, and we spoke yeah. about that in the last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, finish what you were going to say, and then I'll I'll, I'll remind. Oh, you. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so uh, they would do things like uh, I, I, they made some decisions that I watched that I thought you know if you if, look when you're selling a show, you want to put your best foot forward and then get picked up and then do what you got to do. Right. But some of the things were a little too edgy or a little too specific to an urban audience, uh, to the audience you know if you're going you know Detroit, Atlanta, and if you're trying to really appeal to Middle America, mm-hmm. you got to just tweak. You got to tweak a little. Mm-hmm. And I and I, we did shoot a lot of stuff. A lot of things would have been perfect. Then, and when you saw what they put in the pile, you go, "Wait, why did they put these three back to back?" And then and little three reverend, sil- similar sketches. Yeah, and that, you're going, that, "That's that. a little." It's almost like saying this show isn't for most of the people we're trying right. to sell the show to. Right. And it was a shame because it w- it wasn't that. It was we had a bunch right. of stuff. So I don't know what was going on there. But uh, eventually, you know, and then also hype was the show that ended up jumping in the spot that we were supposed to have to oh. take over Jamie's back nine, oh. and that show didn't really get the response that they had right. hoped. And so there was just a AOL and Time Warner merged, so budgets were cut, right. and it was just all these things happened at the same time, yeah. and then they ended up saying, yeah, you know what, we're just going to scrap this one. And oh, so wow. the show never saw the light of day, even though we shot enough for two episodes worth. There was some talk about going to HBO and other things, but it just after all that, it was, gr- I mean, here you are, you're sitting there acting, I'm acting with Jamie Foxx and a studio audience, I'm with Warner Brothers, the best director at Warner Brothers, I'm, I'm, I'm at the commissary and there's, you know, Jennifer Aniston and Lisa Kudrow from Friends Man. and I'm seeing Artie Lang and I are hanging out, he's trying, here, I'll show you around and he's taking me all the, you know, and it's just, you're you're in the, I, I drive on to the, to the Warner Brothers lot, I got it my spot. own spot oh, and dude, I was like, damn, that was, that, oh yeah. man, I had the best, somehow it worked out. I actually had the best spot because it went A, B, C, D, E. I was E, but E was the one right at the door of the oh, studio. I, was, nice. I felt like, oh, it was the greatest yeah. thing to just be able to drive out of that lot and have yeah. a parking spot and be like, yeah, I work here. And you're, you're saying yeah. hi to the uh, security. Yeah, yeah. You get to know him. He's oh, like, yeah. hey, man, what's up? He's yeah, like, hey, hey. yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah. it's just so, when you're in that, it's so cool and people are introduced. Hey, Steve, oh, uh, hey, Lisa, uh, uh, Jennifer, this is Steven Scott. He's one of our guys. Oh, nice to meet you. And they're on Friends and there's Ray right. Romano shooting down over there. And you're, oh, my God. So it was really a great experience mm-hmm. and we had we did some fun sketches i was working with great people right. you know you, you were mentioned tommy chun was in the cast with us daryl heath was in the cast with us tyra yeah. banks and and it was great because i did agt last year and tyra was the new host after nick cannon mm-hmm. left right so um i saw tyra for the first time in 15 years oh wow and that, that was be? pretty cool she goes um because I was sitting there like, do I say something? Do I not? I didn't right. know. And some people were like, no, I wouldn't say anything. But I'm like, I felt like I, I should, you know? Right. And then one of the producers said to me, no, you can say something, just we may not air it. I was like, oh, that's fine. I just want to be real. So Tyra comes over to me, not you know realizing she's in her hosting head. And she's like, hi. You get back to I said, yes, it's been a long time. And she thought I meant like sitting around all day waiting mm-hmm. to go. And she goes, yeah, there's a lot to do with that. I said, no, no, it's been about 15 years. She went, oh, you're serious? I was like, yeah, let me refresh your memory. I said, Jamie Foxx sketch show. I was the token white boy. You were the token supermodel. She goes, oh my God! 
<laughs> gives me a big hug. Yo, we're so cute. We're so funny. Oh my god. She gives me a big hug. She was so sweet. Yeah. It was really nice. So it was on camera. And then uh, and then she looks in the camera and goes, she goes, I sat on his head. <laughs> and she was referring to a really funny sketch uh, that you saw a part of. Yeah. And uh, and I said, I said, looked in the camera like, uh, you might want to lend that some context. <laughs> it was a sketch. It was a, right, right, so right. um so we had a nice little moment there and then uh, and then I went out next thing you know I'm in front of the judges doing AGT and then I saw her you know a few times of course mostly on camera but one time off camera where she right. came over she was so sweet and um, so I was always a big fan of hers I liked her style even mm-hmm. when I, we were working on the show yep. she was just very down to earth she and Jamie were different kinds of celebrities Jamie had his posse his group yeah. and Tyra put on a baseball cap S- sunglasses kind of, at night yeah 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 you know this Jamie Foxx yeah. I call him the Foxx yeah, 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 that's it. And, and, uh, my name is Willie. Uh, Willie Beeman, and I get the ladies. Oh, it's great. <laughs> and my fans. <laughs> um, but uh, one time I remember we were doing the show, and you know, well, you know, you do a sketch show. There's sometimes you, know, you have wardrobe people mm-hmm. when you're doing sketches and characters, but there's some bits you do where you're yourself. Yeah. And so I want to look good. Mm-hmm. And the, the wardrobe lady is busy. She had a whole cast. She had Jamie. So I went to the store. I bought everything. Mm-hmm. And I, I forgot to return what I don't wear. And I had my dressing room. And the wardrobe lady was busy. And she couldn't give me the time of day. And I see Tyra. Her dressing room was right next to mine. Ooh, Tyra. You'd be great. You could help me with this. She said, what do you need? I said, I got to pick some clothes. She goes, oh, yeah, sure. She comes in. She's sitting there. And it's down on the floor. And she's in there. She says, oh, yeah, put on that. I try those pants with that shirt. And mm. I'm sitting. I'm realizing there's a moment where I have an out-of-body experience. Yeah. I am sitting here putting on clothes for Tyra Banks, picking my... It was just a really great So moment. you in your underwear in front of you? Uh, I don't... I, I mean... I don't know if I was I wasn't like totally naked. No, no, I know, but I'm. But I was changing robe. Yeah, it was was all cool, and um, and she was just so nice. I just I I just always she had a great spirit about her. I was always a big fan. It killed me when when the show didn't get picked because I was looking forward to work. She she helped me with something. Um, there was a sketch we were doing that I wasn't really comfortable with. It was a little edgy and touchy. I I had to play somebody uh, with a disability, and I didn't I didn't you know somebody famous, Mm -hmm. and I felt. Awkward. conflicted yeah. and, and she had some sage wisdom about it we had a nice chat and um, she's like look you're an actor they know you didn't write it you just have to commit and if you commit 100% they're going to see the character okay. they're not going to see you okay. and she's right and I went all out and did it and it was fine but she was, she was just a great person and uh, so it was nice to see her even even mostly in the yeah. context of AGT uh, but it was it was good to see her again and uh, it was a good experience you know I learned a lot and I know you know you learn hey I can play at that level I'm yeah. playing yeah. at the highest of levels Yeah, and, it, shows you, it shows you should be there and when the president Warner Brothers tells you that your sketch tested the highest of anything and, right. and that uh, you know and they want to do that it's just you know it's really flattering you know, it's you reassuring yeah it really is it's a bummer that show didn't go I think it would have been great uh, mm-hmm. to see we had a great team it would have launched a lot of careers yeah. Jamie was going around on the talk show circuit David Letterman I, that's Rosie, what I, I told you I, rem- yeah. I remember him saying yo I, yo, I got this new show yep 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 uh, these nuts yeah that's exactly right <laughs> and, and I got I, yo I got I have, I have this dude I just found this dude he's the next, the next Jim Carrey yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got man. the next Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, and what was uh, what we spoke about yesterday? There was a sketch you did. Now you do something where you uh, like you can play the trumpet with your mouth. I do instruments with my he voice. Does <clears throat> it's kind of like a. You know that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> so you're so you're in a, you have this sketch where you're doing your thing. It's like a showcase for you. It's a piece I did in my stand up, which I okay. still do in my stand up. Right. Um, I, I do a uh, it's a radio, it's busted radio, and I go through all the stations on the okay. radio and I do all the things. So um, oh, so like when you say busted radio, the the, the dial button is the, stuck. The, the scan. Boom, blah, 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 blah
right. the Windows 60 case, you know, that kind of thing. Right. And, and, and in my stand-up, I call back all my the all stuff the I've done previously. It's a real, yeah, piece. But I wrote a sketch character where it was a guy who had a metal plate in his head and he was picking up radio waves. He could be okay. at a job interview or on a date and be like, oh, hi, nice. You know, and whatever. Right. And we, we, we created it into a vignette where basically we made, I was going to be a human radio. Mm-hmm. And I was at Jamie's house, and we were just playing around. He was, he was filming me doing the instruments, and he, mm-hmm. you know, he's a musician, and he loved it. He said, "I got to get you with Jay Lamont." And I didn't know who Jay Lamont was. Right. He's like, "Oh, he's this guy who does all these sounds." And I, I, got, I was thinking, I was a little taken aback. Yeah, because I'm thinking to myself, you know, look, it, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a series regular right. on a new sketch show. I worked real hard to get here. This is my moment right. to shine and do something unique that not everybody does. Right. And now you want to put me with some other guy I've never met before who does something similar? Right. And it's like, I felt kind of weird about right. that. And I was asking all, like, Tommy and the guys about Jay, and they said, oh, Jay's real good, but if there's anybody that can go talk to Jay, you're the guy. I mean, you guys will right. get him. I said, okay. And uh, so I, I show up to work one day, and this guy who's not a cast member, who's not on the show, gets a call Jamie, I want you to have him come in to film this thing. And uh, I meet him, and he and I, yeah, he's a wonderful guy. And, Real and, nice guy. Uh, yeah, and, and, Jim and Jay Lamont. Yeah, and we, we hit it off. They can't find us. They're looking for us. We went off in some room somewhere, and we're jamming. Right. We are like kids in a candy store right. just playing. Oh, how about this? How about this? And we're having, we're just like, right. we're right. in our own real world. Like, where are you guys? Absolutely. Look at all of it. So we were playing. So what we did was the bit you saw was it was a human radio. Jay and I are sitting next to each other wearing all black. And uh, we have these headset mics on. And I just do my radio thing. Oh, no, Jamie comes in. Of somebody uh, that we're just a radio going through all. I forgot how it starts. Someone turns on there and <laughs> and um, puts. Uh, oh yeah, it's Jamie. Go listen to kind of like what the what's this? And he's going through the stations. Jamie's turning like my dial, uh, right. an imaginary oh, yeah, dial on my yeah, chest, right. okay. looking for. And I'm going through all the stations. Then he gets to a hip hop station, and that's when Jay kicks in. He's doing that. You know, he's doing his thing, and then everyone's like, and Jamie's like, yeah, and he walks off, and then all this, and this other guy, Eric, walks. The white guy walks. In, what the hell's this noise? Kind of thing. And he starts going through the dials, and then he gets to, and he's like, oh yeah, and then and then Jamie and then the Jacobs do the boom, 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 and it's it's really right. You saw it. It's it's really cool. So it's basically my radio bit that we turned into a physical thing, and it was clever, and it was and that all the focus groups they just voted that through the roof, right, right. And I said I said yes. I I said um, on the previous episode I say that um, uh, what what I thought was amazing about that was. Uh, that Jamie actually had the foresight, I because I can see why you would get right. r- be reluctant because a it's, it's, it's yeah. your it's your bit yep. a yep. b um, to some extent Jamie has already uh, uh, you know squeezed some of his friends on right, right. that may not have the same talent uh, as you. Mm-hmm. And so you you know that makes you even more reluctant. Yeah. You're like, who's this guy? I'm I'm on the show. Yeah. This guy's just some guy, <laughs> right? But you know, big ups to to Fox for you know, for it, yeah, it worked in that context. And, work. and like I said, he was a real nice guy. We had a lot of fun. We even did a thing because you know we're shooting in front of a live audience, right. and they were sitting there a long time. You know how those right. tapings go. Right. And so I always feel, and I've, I, whenever I've gone to other comic shows, and there's been a lot, Jerry Red Wilson, Elon Gold, you know, the guy. Um, Jerry Red Wilson. Yeah, remember Jerry yeah. Wett? He brought me out to the, yeah. And, um, you know, these, I would see them be actors, but they would also be comics to keep the feel. And there, were, there was a couple times when Elon Gold was doing Stacked. Or he was doing in laws or whatever, and I'd be sitting there, and, and he, you know, he was on a show. Peter Sklar was, was on that show, mm-hmm. and um, so Elon would up do some stand up, mm-hmm. and then Peter would go do something, and then next thing you know, he's like, hey, 
Uh, Elon's, hey, we have a really, uh, Steven Scott is here. He's about, and I was like, oh my, and he's getting, now I'm going to, you know, so I was in that kind of zone of just, you know, so uh, I would go up and, and Jay Lamont came in and was entertaining the crowd at one oh, point cool. doing this. So he says, oh, let's bring Steven Scott and he does. So so here I am on this black sketch show with all these who <laughs> doing hip hop and now you're bringing a whitest dude out here. So I was like, um, okay, how am I going to, so I so I did this bit I did. I said, uh, I I, I, yeah, I'm a beatboxer, but I'm a white boy beatboxer. <laughs> See, I grew up in a different neighborhood. The music was a little different. I beatboxed to white boy music. Right, right. And I did this white boy, you know, the <laughs> white boy. The fat boy. Mm-hmm. 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 And, that, and it was, I mean, and everyone was jumped off fucking. It was, like, know, it was great. Yeah, so dope. it worked so well. We had a lot of, it was just a great time. We, every, you know, and everyone came, there were guests on that show. Michael Clark Duncan came in, Macy Gray came in, DMX came in, you know, and you just, we, it was a great experience. I really wish the show could have gone. Right. It would have, um, oh, it certainly would have launched my career in a different direction, but it would, it was, it was just fun and you want to just work with those people. But then you wouldn't have been on a cruise ship with me. On, I know, on, on talking about, ball, I remember when the, if years ago, we used to. And <laughs> <laughs> true, you did ADT. That was a good look. You know, thank you, that, thank that, you. Uh, I, I told you before that I actually, me and the family, we actually watch ADT. Oh, that meant so a lot, man. Thank you. To uh, to see because stand up has stand up, you know, specifically with say Heidi Klum. Yeah. Um, has never been the most generous to stand-ups, but you said she She actually, was very nice. She's like, you know, she said, you know, I normally don't like stand-ups, but I really like to. Yeah. I was oh, wow, thank you. Yeah, um, yeah no, they were all real nice. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, it was a good experience. I mean, you know you know how it works. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think the folks at home don't realize that a lot of it is orchestrated. Yeah. It is a, it's a drama series disguised as a talent show, right. is what I like to say. Right. And I'm a cast member, and I just have to hope the writers keep writing me in each right. week. And that's how I went into it. So I don't, you know, you can kill, I know guys have gotten standing ovations and they don't bring them back. And you know, so um, because I, they might not have the right story. Right. Yeah, and that's the backstory is big. The guy, someone just asked me about him yesterday. The guy they put through his uh, guy named Preacher, Preacher Lawson, Lawson. Yeah. and you know, he apparently used to be homeless, and uh, you know, it's a nice story. Also, he doesn't have the you know the representation, so right. he's he's they can own you right. know him more right. usually. Right. So uh, then maybe me or Harrison Greenbaum who are on and who've been doing it for a long time. So you know, again, they've never had a comic win the show. Our buddy Tom Cotter came pretty close, but yeah, uh, you know. It, it's it, some people say it's not really the right show for stand-ups but they you know you can't be an amateur stand-up and do that show it's really very yeah. very advanced yeah. high level stuff yeah. uh, I've done lots of things like that before and even I go out there and go Ooh, wow okay you know yeah. you, you, you can't be an amateur so yeah. I think they want a few legitimate stand-ups who maybe haven't broken through to kind of you know at least uh, come on in and they, and they were nice you know they they showed me in a respectable way. They didn't. They didn't throw me under the bus like some shows we talked about the yeah. other day. Yeah. That that'll edit you in a way and make you look bad. And no, yeah. they just you know they, they kept it tight, but it was looked good. They showed my standing ovation, which I really appreciated. Okay. So you know that'll be good. People, t- millions of people on your birthday. Yeah, right. It did. <laughs> and millions of people. And we, I got to watch a lot of my friends at the Friars Club. Uh, millions of people who've never heard of me got to see me, and right. and uh, and uh, you know Simon Cowell now knows who I am, and I have right. a nice little piece of tape. And it was. And also, it was. I'm not a big fan of those kind of shows. The judging shows and uh, and it was like a moment of taking the bull by the horn, and saying, "You know what? I'm going to do this." Mm-hmm. It was it was scary for me, but I went and said, oh, "I'm going to do this." So it's nice to look back and say, "Hey, you know what? I got in there." Yeah. Because it's not just the stand up, but it's you know, and editing your set really tight, but also answering those questions that you don't yeah, know what's coming yeah. and, and not looking stupid. Right. So um, so I feel like okay, check. That was a good badge of honor. I okay. can you know. So we'll see. You know, dude. As they say, the race doesn't always go to the swiftest, but to those who keep on running, and you and you, and my friend, are you and I are marathoners, yeah, buddy. We've been at this a long. Time. It's what we, and it's what we do. It's what we do.
we do and we have as much fun along the way and like you know tonight or whatever just entertaining the people and uh, making them laugh feels good and if yep. somebody with more money and TV exposure wants to say hey we're gonna give you a shot great right. um, but we're still here man you and still I are here. still here buddy still this, here this is, this is a, it's a marathon man well Steve it's been a pleasure Steven Scott thank you guys uh, appreciate you coming on rocking out with us of course uh, you know plug your, your social media and your website and everything yeah website Steven Scott Steven with a V <laughs> as I say you spell Steven um, <laughs> not that step pen crap uh, Steven with a V Steven Scott and it's dot TV like television not dot com and that's the website so I got dates on there and uh, also uh, Steven Scott LOL on Twitter uh, Steven Scott comedian actor host fan page on uh, Facebook and I'm, I'm gonna they're gonna break me and I'm gonna get on Instagram one of these days I've been holding out on the Instagram ah, I think I finally have to you know what Harris I, Harris fought it for a long time I know time. I think I'm gonna be, yeah I think I'm like oh crap I'm gonna have to do it but uh, yeah but it has been fun Dean I love you pal we go way back it's been great hanging with you this week and I hope we get to do more stuff together and who knows maybe we'll get to work on a sketch show together one day hey, which man. would be awesome maybe somebody will be listening and go wait a minute these two these two would be great together and fake chemistry and uh, you have any dates or just tell um, yeah I got uh, I'm booked up on March I got a lot of private stuff but I think um, yeah I've got some danger fields in the city coming up and uh comic strip and broadway i don't have the dates in front of me but if you go on my calendar you can see them and then uh when the calendar slows down end of um end of march then in april i'll be in the city a lot more so definitely check out the calendar and uh we'll we'll see you live hopefully and you can uh you can catch me um in atlantic city uh april what april 8th through 14th at comedy of the borgata oh that's a great room um, it's a great room uh, i'm looking forward to you'll see myself in harris Stanton. uh check out all my social medias at i am dean edwards because that's who i am you've been listening to the fold them up protocol if you dig what you heard make sure you leave a comment reach out to your man steve um on all his social meds uh, <laughs> and uh and yo just we'll, we'll keep uh doing these we're glad y'all rocked out hope you hope you got some insight on the uh on the industry and business of comedy and uh hope you were entertained man this is man dean edwards steve's got all love for the mother protocol two fingers peasy see ya